Support the Bartholomew Town Podcast by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on Apple Podcasts. This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. And welcome to another edition of the Bartholomew Town Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Bartholomew. On today's episode, I sit down with the director of the Rhode Island Department of Business Regulation, Elizabeth Tanner. Banking, boxing, bombs, uh, and, and we were saying bongs for marijuana, yes. <laughs> yeah, so. there it is. The Rhode Island Department of Business Regulation oversees many key industries that vary from real estate appraisal to the state's medical marijuana program. In recent times, DBR has been at the forefront of local conversation as an evolving stream of emerging industries make their way into Rhode Island's economy. Recent legislation that legalized sports betting, including mobile sports betting, indicators that Rhode Island is moving towards cannabis reclassification, and the emergence of blockchain technology have all set DBR as a central portal to manage critical elements of Rhode Island's future. New episodes of the Bartholomew Town Podcast every Tuesday and Friday. Subscribe on Apple or wherever you listen to podcasts or visit BartholomewTown.com or RIPodcast.com. It's where you'll find the dozens of interviews I've conducted with Rhode Island political, media, artistic, and other influencers. You never know what's going to happen in Bartholomew Town. All right, this was a fun conversation with Director Tanner. We actually have some breaking news for you when it comes to blockchain technology in Rhode Island. Stand by from the loft. DBR Director, Elizabeth Tanner. What's sort of your backstory? I know you were appointed in 2017, is that correct? Yes, so just over a year ago. Um, so 2018, but I've been with the state since 2015. Okay, and are you native Rhode Islander? I am not. I actually uh, was born and raised in Pennsylvania, but I went to URI and fell in love with both the state and my husband, and so I've been here since. That's awesome. Yeah, I also went to URI as well. I feel like if you're born like... Anywhere else, even if you move to Rhode Island 15 minutes after birth, you'll never you – know, there's some people who won't accept you at the same time. I think Rhode Island having import of any kind, anybody who comes from somewhere else at any age group, that's a really positive thing for the state right now. I absolutely love where I live. Yeah. Um, as far as getting into – we'll get right into the thick of or what we are here to talk about um, – the changes to doing business in Rhode Island, one of the things I hear a lot from – especially from some people on the right or the, the the small business lobby, if you will. Oh, there's too many regulations in the famous this state. What's your response to that and what are some of the changes that you're engaged in right now? You know, one of the exciting things for me in taking this position is that I come at it from a very different perspective. So having been a small business owner myself and uh, as an attorney, I've opened up several hundred businesses. So I took great pleasure in coming to the state, not just with my experiences, but with my several hundred clients' experiences to say, there's a lot we need to fix, right? So it's been very exciting for me to sort of tick off one by one the things that make people crazy and the things that we can try to fix. What are some of those things? I think probably the most exciting thing that we've seen was the change in the letter of good standing. So it seems super boring and, and, and not very exciting, but um, you needed to get a piece of paper showing that you didn't have any taxes due from the Division of Taxation. That was the biggest complaint that we heard in 2015 under the new administration. And we set out to try to make that better, working closely with them. Um, on average, it took about 97 workdays to get a piece of paper that in other places takes less than a week. And uh, we co-funded a, a, a lean exercise where you basically 
basically bring people in and you streamline the way that it's done, um, taking a look at roles and the form itself. And they're now averaging 21 days um, to turn that around. Another interesting point is well over 70% of the forms that came in to request that needed to be returned back because they didn't have enough information. Uh, They're down to well under 20% for that now. And for those people who send in a form with no problem, they're averaging about six-day turnaround. So a dramatic difference from what it used to be. That's probably the biggest one because most people, a lot of people have had to get that and they've had a bad experience. But we haven't heard complaints about it now in well over a year or two. That's awesome. That's the efficiency. I guess improving efficiency is sort of the broad goal of anyone in small business right now. Obviously, there's taxation and other fees that you're going to get into, but that's something that you seem to be very responsive with in your office now. You know, what we heard, when we went out and we started really talking to businesses a couple of years ago, and it was interesting because we went out and said, oh, hey, let me tell you about all these programs and services that exist. And while they were interested in that, it was more about well, let me tell you what I don't like. Let me tell you what the problems are. So we realized we were really privy to it. And again, I came at it from my own experience, um, but I only know what I knew, right? And so listening to all these other people, we said, all right, let's take a look and see what these problems are. And they kind of break down into categories. So the, the first one being... Uh, it's the regulations. It's the regulations, right? Well, I can tell you as the director of the Department of Business Regulation, it is rarely the regulations. Uh, sometimes it's bad laws, um, but it's not usually the regulations that are actually causing the problem because the regulations can be a little more flexible. And so when there's a problem with them, people can change them. Not easy, but much easier than changing a law. The second thing that we heard was poor processes. The processes just take too long. The form's too big. Um, it takes six weeks to do something that should only take one week. It's, you know, it's just a burdensome process too many employees touch the file, whatever it might be. Um, so we've done a lot to do this lean. So um, Department of Admin- Environmental Management Director Janet Coit, she introduced the concept of lean and it's L-E-A-N, not like L-I-E-N. Not, it's more like going on a diet and you try to streamline the process. And we've done a couple, uh, well over 100 exercises now to streamline very burdensome processes within the state. The next thing that we heard so much about was um, that People didn't know what to, where to go. How am I supposed to know what to do? How am I supposed to figure out what the, what the answer to it is? And from that perspective, um, the Office of Regulatory Reform uh, was required over a two-year period to look at every single regulation where they uh, basically got rid of well over 30% of every single regulations in the state. But what was really neat about it is they now have it in a place under the Secretary of State's office where you can look it up. So while the regulations were always available, they were very hard to find. Um, now they're in a searchable format. So if I want to be a plumber and I want to understand what the plumbing regulations are, I can put in plumber and I can pull up the information a whole lot easier than I ever could. So that's been super exciting and that's really been out since about January. And then the last thing we heard about was bad customer service. People aren't answering the phone. They're not very nice. I don't know where to go. Things like that. And uh, we've worked with Amica Customer Insurance, uh, who has probably the best customer service in the country. They win awards for it all of the time. And they helped us to train well over three or 4,000 employees on customer service. And we lost track after that amount because we started doing train the trainer and they started training some of their own employees. So Several months after that started, you saw a dramatic change and you saw a dramatic drop in the complaints that you got for customer service. So those sort of seem to be the categories and the things that we've done. And there's lots of other stuff going on behind the scenes. But um, by going out and talking to people, that's what we heard and that's what we tried to fix. Is that lean approach, is that Carl Wadenstein? Is that his operation? <laughs> Carl is on the committee, yes. Got Carl it. is a big advocate for lean. Um, you know, it's He has it in his manufacturing plan. And so he's able to streamline the um, the 
products that he makes. But from a government perspective, it's, it's very similar. You know, it's just trying to say, okay, it used to take this many steps and now it takes that many steps. Uh, one of my favorites is in the city of Pawtucket, uh, we did an exercise with them to streamline how to open up a restaurant. And um, the best statistic of all was that it used to require 11 visits to City Hall to fill out various kinds of paperwork, talk to different people. And um, after going through the lean exercise, they've figured out that it's zero. You know, they set wow. it up so it can be completely electronic and that, um, you know, they still kind of want you to come in, especially if you're going to get a liquor license. But for the most part, you can just do everything electronically now or by telephone or by email. And that was a big thing. A lot of municipalities didn't collect uh, email addresses. And so they were communicating by phone or by letters. Right. It's kind of these hidden areas yeah. that Rhode Island's moving forward. There's a lot of complaints about yeah. the, the economies of the future and being prepared for that. But it seems like there's some things taking place that are setting us up for that. Are we prepared from a regulatory perspective for the new industries that are coming in? Obviously, we know gambling, cannabis. What was it? You had the four Bs when we first spoke on the phone. Banking, boxing, bombs, uh, and, and we were saying bongs for marijuana. Yes, <laughs> yeah, so. there it is. Um, so there's that side of it. But then there's also the unknown industries such as maybe drone deliveries or who knows what else. Do you feel that – your department and you personally, are you kind of looking towards the future as you sculpt regulation? You know, it's funny you bring it up because one of the things that we've been spending a lot of time at is looking at blockchain, which is really a completely new, innovative um, technology and um, will likely be something as important as the internet or email in the next 10, 10 years. And uh, we, we tried to look and say, well, what can't we do if somebody wants to come with a blockchain business? And we looked at what other states do, and um, sometimes they pass – very rarely, but sometimes they'll pass legislation that says we have a regulatory sandbox. And that sandbox means that uh, we have discretion to decide what to do with you in the beginning. Um, you know, sometimes you waive any fee or regulation until you kind of know what they're actually doing because you don't really know sometimes. So I think Uber in the beginning. If, if you had an Uber come that's so confusing and you don't really understand it, and now, of course, we all understand what Uber or Lyft might do, um, in the beginning, you might want to say, let's hold off for X number of months or maybe a year or two until we better understand it. Uh, we currently have that ability at the Department of Business Regulation. So we already have a regulatory sandbox. If a, if a business wants to come in, they're innovative. We have the discretion to decide um, if we want to hold off until we can better understand what it is, because maybe they shouldn't be regulated by DBR, but maybe they should be over at environmental management or over at health. Sometimes you just don't quite know and understand what the dangers are. Plus, sometimes you're looking for data. You know, uh, we get a lot of questions about CBD, and there's very little data to tell you uh, whether CBD is good or bad. And until you have that, you have to regulate it until you can better understand it. So those are just some of the examples. But we do have some discretion. We don't get it very often. What we find is that we can already offer the flexibility, and we try to do so. Um, and then we decide what What's the best way to regulate after we understand it better? Do you think that sort of mindset allows – could Rhode Island be a beta test given its size mixed with a regulatory framework that has that sandbox that understands that certain things need to play out before they can really be categorized in any way? Do you feel like Rhode Island should be attracting more um, – I guess I'll go back to that word beta testing. You know, what we hear from the businesses about Rhode Island is its size is, is such an advantage. You can get people in a room to have a conversation about whatever business type it might be to say, who do I need to talk to? What do I need to do? What could be my obstacles and hurdles? And we do that quite a bit, especially in the last few years. Uh, you know, all the state agencies work very closely with the Commerce Corporation so that when a new business wants to come to town, we all sit around a table and figure out what we can and can't do for them. 
you know, we've seen that with Infosys for sure in the last couple of days here. Looking towards or looking at the budget that's been proposed, it's basically a $10 billion budget. Does regulation increase or decrease that budget, I guess? The more you regulate, is it going up or is that attracting more industry? I mean, probably not in the way you think that it is. Uh, you know, we do do an analysis to look at what we charge, right? So we want to make sure we're competitive with our neighbors. We want to make sure that we're not overcharging or undercharging for that matter, right? You know, if we can get ourselves to be very close to our neighbors, we, we're interested in that as well. Same thing with the requirements that go into whatever kind of license you might need for your business. Um, we do spend a lot of time looking at our neighbors. So so sometimes it might affect the budget because we're bringing in extra dollars. Um, we, If we're bringing in extra dollars, we do try to focus that on um, out-of-state or international business dollars coming into the state. Um, but the regulations don't super affect the overall budget overall. When gambling started to come out, as there were some questions about whether or not the process of um, enacting sports betting was was played out properly, if it was if it should have gone fully to a referendum, these sorts of issues. Um, there's now some some legislation to legalize p- prostitution potentially. Would these sorts of vice issues or what used to be blue issues, I guess, in Rhode Island, um, how what do you how do you look at them? Do you feel are you kind of ahead of the curve right now, thinking if prostitution's legalized, here's how we're going to go about it? You're not really lobbying for anything. You're just kind of getting prepared for the potential wind change? You know, it's interesting being in this position from a social level because I get a lot of people who will say, well, what do you think about marijuana? What do you think about gambling? What do you think about prostitution? And the answer is I I don't entitle myself to an opinion because I shouldn't have an opinion. It's my job to regulate. It's my job to um, see what the laws that were passed and figure out how I'm going to set up a licensing structure and how we're going to charge a fee. And then on the flip side, to make sure that you properly um, prevent a problem from happening, but then also punish as need be for whatever violation may or may not be happening. So I don't allow myself a a personal opinion. Um, Instead, I follow whatever the law that's um, finally gets settled down and, um, and try to regulate. We're also big though on making sure that we can be um, flexible in certain ways, especially when something is new, trying to make sure that everybody knows what they're getting into as a, a new law may be in place. Um, great example is food trucks. We're starting to regulate food trucks, and they've been regulated um, from a municipal standpoint. And one of the reasons that we've tried to bring them together in the state is it was very inconsistent across um, the, the municipalities. And so by, by bringing on the state, they'll have one set of rules to follow. Um, so we've spent a lot of time talking to lots of them to figure out what's easiest. But we've also had to listen to the municipalities as well because they care very strongly about where those food trucks are parked and things like that. So um, so we take a really open-door approach to hearing what people have to say, and then um, we come up with the best answers. And if we don't get them right, then we have to change them you know, six months a year down the road. Right. I guess there's some gray areas with municipalities. You know, I, can, I think to busking, I'm a musician, so... Sometimes they go perform in Newport, and I remember the the police would shut us down sometimes, you know, two or three minutes into it. People were gathered around enjoying it, and you'd start – I would start to think, hmm, you know, if if the hand of government gets involved here, I may actually have protections, you know, if this were a regulated industry. But then on the flip side, there's other municipalities in Rhode Island where no one bothered you, and you were able to collect money that, yeah, you had to pay a tax on it, if if you're being honest, but – at the end of the day, there's really no regulation. So it, the municipalities, the role that each location has, do you feel like it's your job to kind of smooth things out on a statewide basis to make sure that it's a level playing field for every industry 
no matter if it's in Newport or Woonsocket? So that's a great question because the municipalities have, I don't want to say long been neglected, but they um, they finally have themselves in a position where they can ask for resources and we're trying to get them for them. So a couple of things come to mind. Um, uh, I learned very early on that it's not going to work if I tell a municipality what, I, what we wanted to do. That's just never going to happen, right? So what we try to do is say, well, here, based on what we're hearing from you, here are some resources or some tools that we think will make it easier. Um, the most popular of which I can think of right now is uh, e-permitting. And so that's electronic permitting. And what's really neat about Rhode Island's electronic permitting is that it's the only permitting um, in the country where the state is connected with the municipality. So we can swap information with each other on the same system. So we have almost 30 of our 39 municipalities on that. If you want to do any kind of building or fire permit, you can do it entirely through the system. Um, What the contractors love about it is that they can order their permits from home on the weekends, whenever they want. Um, What the citizens love about it is they don't have to take off time from work to physically go into town hall. They can do it from um, at home or on the weekends. And what everybody loves about it is the transparency. So you can see I ordered this permit on this day. But it's been two weeks and I haven't heard anything. It must be still sitting on you know, Mary Jones' desk. Well, you know what? No, you can go on. You can see, oh, it left Mary. It went to Bob. Now it's with Joe and it's, I'm almost going to get it, right? So you can kind of follow its path, which makes it super exciting to know that, um, that, it's, that it is moving and it gets rid of that sense of frustration. So, um, but it also gives the ability to communicate with email. So again, I talked about the municipalities. When we went out to talk to the municipalities – what we found was that with very few exceptions, only three municipalities were at least doing something, with Block Island being the best, um, the municipalities don't collect email addresses to communicate with their citizens or their businesses. So it sounds like such a silly thing, but um, it was a very real problem. So now they're all collecting email addresses and, and they can communicate. And so when you're trying to you know, cut hair and make pizza from nine to four, you don't have time to get to town hall. But if you can at least by communicate by email, then I can at least swap emails with you every night or on the weekend uh, until the, the town employee comes in. So, so we've been trying to just work with them to, again, um, fulfill whatever voids or needs they have. And, and the e-permitting has probably been the best um, example of that. What do you think is going to be the biggest change that you'll see, we'll see as Rhode Islanders in the next few years, obviously, other than congressional contraction or population decrease? Do you have any gut instinct as to anything major that may happen? I know we're asking you to sort of do the crystal ball trick here, but. <laughs> well, I, you know, Something that I'm super passionate about and that I really care about is is making it easier to do business, right? And so for me, the the idea that people still have to take time out of work to drive to whether it be town hall or a state agency to fill out a paper um, form and hand it in with a paper check that sometimes um, – Nothing can be done on that form until that check clears. That's ex- that's that's got to go away, right? I mean, the reality is, you know, you think about um, some of the largest software companies in the world and how you order things, whether it be Amazon or or anything else. Um, that's got to change. Um, it, it's labor intensive. It's prone to error, and so doing whatever we can to get things online in some way. You still want to fill out paper. That's fine, right? Like we don't want to take away paper forever, and it certainly fits in certain circumstances, um, but. I think it's really important for Rhode Island to get into a new era of being able to exchange and share information and um, to be able to do things remotely. There's there's no reason why Rhode Island shouldn't be able to at least congregate people who wanted to work in new industries or work in um, moving the state forward. Uh, you know, what, given our size and the, the size of the media market, the size geographically, I'm surprised by the disconnect that sometimes seems to be there when it comes to 
infighting over new ideas or the direction of the state. Do you feel that? Is it frustrating sometimes that we're not able to just somebody whistle, all right, let's do it, you know, and in, and in five years see this place the place that we all imagine it can be. Well, I think there's two parts of that. First, I think we are right now, right? I mean, I'm very excited to be a part of so many cool and great things that are happening that are transformational, not just right now, but things that will make Rhode Island a better place in the future. Things that do take time that maybe 10 years from now I can look back and go, hey, I was a part of that and look what it is now. Um, But also I look at what the other states do and every state is struggling with this. And I'll tell you that a lot of times when I'm looking for new and innovative ideas, I look internationally and there's some really great things going on in a few countries countries they have the some of them have the same problems as well and what i find it's it's the ones who have tended to go through maybe something bad or something radical or something hard that then sort of forced them to change the way um the way they operate and, and to try something new. And so will, will, will that happen in, in the States? Will we finally make that change? I don't know. But I can tell you that pretty much every other state is struggling with the stuff that we're struggling with as well. It's been a long time since the world is flat or whatever Thomas Friedman's <laughs> book came out. You know, um, Last few minutes here, working with the governor, There's, you know, do you have any, any kind of anecdotal um, – what's that relationship like, I guess, for you? Is it, is it a very business-oriented matter-of-fact relationship? You know, a lot of people ask me how I got my job, and a lot of people assume that um, that I knew somebody in state government because um, I'm also about the same age as, as her. And I will tell you that um, I did not know her at all. And in fact, I heard her and was motivated by her campaigning the first time around. She kept talking about making it easier to do business and streamlining government and coming up with a plan. And I thought, I want that job. I want that job and I'm going to get that job, darn it. So I, um, I, I reached out to a political friend who was not even in the same party. And I said, what do I need to do to get this job? And she said, you need to come up with a plan and you need to submit your resume before the election. And that's what I did. Hmm. So I spent a couple of weeks. I worked on a really cool plan. I said, this is what I think can be done to make this state better. I submitted it into the governor's, you know, to the governor's shop before the election. Uh, obviously, she won. A couple of months went by. She had started to place some people. And uh, rumor has it there was a stack of resumes sitting somewhere. Mine was the thickest because I had a plan. Somebody picked it up. They looked at it and they said, who is this person? She actually has a plan. Let, let's see what she has to say. So I'm really proud to know that you know I got the job for um, some ideas that I had. And it's really given me an opportunity to to push the plan and say, this is what you guys brought me on for. This is, this is what we'll do. And I have to say that without Governor Raimondo's support and leadership, I wouldn't be able to do that. You know, There have been people before me who have tried to do the things that I have done. And um, there are lots of other state agency directors that are doing really good things too. And they've tried to do things maybe before or in different places, but they wouldn't have been able to do it without the leadership from the governor. And she really gives you that and gives you the opportunity to make change. So that's what's super exciting about all of it. What's your favorite thing about Rhode Island? I know you said that you love the state, but what's your favorite element of it? So I live in Bristol. So I'd have to say the 4th of July parade. I mean, absolutely. My favorite thing is the the 4th of July parade. I'm I'm very close to the parade route itself. And, uh, you know, we have a big party every year because you're either in or you're not when you live in Bristol, right? You know, right. You'd, have, you'd have to go away. Um, so we have a big party for the fireworks and a big party for the um, for the parade. And it's just, it's my favorite day of the year. Yeah, it's certainly, it's, it's like one of those landmark Rhode Island deals. Hardly anything that I guess on an international level, water fire, I suppose, <laughs> but it's a pretty cool thing. I agree. Do you love living in the East Bay? Do you feel disconnected at all from, I mean, you're obviously working in Providence, so it's not. Well, you know, I do commute all the way to Providence yeah. uh, from Bristol. <laughs> so, um, you know, some people think I'm crazy to do that, but um, but it gives me a chance to uh, be exposed to different kinds of restaurants. So as much as the East Bay has really fantastic restaurants, um, and I try to stay in the East Bay to eat, um, it is fine to um, 
spread my horizons and, and try to do that in Providence as well. Right. Do you use the bridge, the Mount Hope Bridge? When you, do, you, do you come through that way or do you do 24 to... Uh... Uh, you no, know, actually, usually through Barrington, through yeah. that direction. So. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love driving over the bridges here. It's nice to like just take a moment and go, all right, we made it this far as society where we can connect these islands with metal and concrete. So We have a lot of good friends in South Kingston and North Kingston, and, and, and ever since we were little, the kids would always say, oh, we're going to go to visit them up three bridges, right? So you got to go over three bridges to go visit them. Yep. <laughs> Liz Tanner, DBR, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Real pleasure. As always, thanks so much for joining in on the Bartholomew Town Podcast. I'll be back on Tuesday with a brand new episode. Until then, I'm Bill Bartholomew. We'll talk soon.